We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Abner Maris is a world champion boxer, Olympian, sports commentator, and most importantly, dad to two little girls. Beloved by abuelas and hardcore fans alike, Abner is a pro at entertaining the world both in and out of the ring. On Blue Wire's new podcast, On the Hook with Abner Morris, we'll hear from Abner, his family, fellow athletes, and other people who made him the boxer and the man he is. They chat about topics like Abner's journey from a kid on the streets to boxing champ, sports, music, culture, and family life. Listen to On the Hook with Abner Morris wherever you get your podcasts. Episodes in English out on Tuesdays and episodes in Spanish out on Wednesdays. and welcome to the Esports Biz Show. I'm your host, Justin Jacobson. This week, we'll be discussing esports entrepreneurs. Just as a disclaimer, nothing here is intended as legal advice, is all of the information is for educational purposes only. This week's guest is Ben Goldhaber. Ben is a lifelong gamer who was on the founding team at Twitch in 2011. He worked at Twitch for more than seven years before founding his own company, Juked. Juke is a one-stop shop for esports entertainment, it brings everything an esports fan needs in one destination, including having live esports tournament streams and news from over 35 different esports titles. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. My pleasure. You know, I, I know you're a busy man, kind of all over the place, so it's exciting to you know get this time to discuss you know what you've been working on. Absolutely. I, I will take just about any opportunity to spitball and talk about the state of the industry, where it's headed, its past, and of course, juked. So no, I totally appreciate the opportunity. Yeah. So now to briefly introduce the topic, we're looking at esports entrepreneurs. So there's been a myriad of professionals that have created ancillary businesses to the esports and gaming space. You know, these might be news outlets, PR and marketing firms, 
law firms, financial advisory companies, you know, data and analytic companies, or really just any other brand that's servicing the space. In addition to, you know, hard news outlets such as the Esports Observer, there's also been a rise in infotainment or, you know, soft news that really kind of provides information and current events in more of an entertainment form. So instead of a traditional news report that you might see on, you know, the local Channel 5 News, these programs are, you know, news-based but have kind of entertaining opinions and angles. And it's, you know, kind of similar to contents offered on Prediction or, you know, on Pardon the Interruption or any of these other ESPN shows. So now we know a bit about the evolving esports world. Tell us about your past esports and gaming experience. Yeah, sure. It's really no stretch to say that I've been involved in esports for the last 20 years. Um, The first 10 years, I don't even think the term esports really existed yet. Um, I started playing games competitively way, way, way back in the early 2000s, probably 2000 or 2001 is when I started playing. And at the time, you know, gaming and esports was really just a passion for me. It was something I did on weekends, you know, after I got home from school. I played games like Quake and Tribes for about 10 years competitively. And over that time, um, you know, I evolved a little bit from a just a competitor to uh, eventually organizing some of my own er- tournaments, as well as actually doing esports commentary. Um, I really, really fell in love with with commentary for uh, for uh, a number of reasons. But really, in the early days of live streaming back in 2007, 2008, 2009, when platforms like Justin TV and Ustream were first getting off the ground, I became super involved as a content creator. And also as just someone who was trying to follow everything that was happening in esports and uh, the, these new live streaming platforms helped me do that in a way that just simply wasn't po- possible before. So I really became infatuated with the following the global esports space, even games that I didn't play myself. So I was like, wow, there's 12,000 people watching a Heroes of New Earth tournament in 2009. This is absolutely, absolutely crazy. I've never played Heroes of New Earth, but um, I fell in love with just following absolutely everything. Um, So, I mean, I I think one thing led to the next, and eventually I ended up building a website back in 2009 and 2010 called GamesCast.tv, which aggregated esports streams from all of the existing platforms at the time. And uh, and in doing that, that was really the perfect experience for me uh, to get my career started, because not only did we end up building a product, marketing it, creating social media channels when social media was brand new, uh, doing email marketing, blog posts, things like that. So I got my feet wet with content creation and marketing, but I was also responsible for all of our partnerships. So that entailed me meeting and getting to know pretty much everyone who was creating content at the time. Um, And that really teed me up to get uh, an introduction a couple of years later to the Justin TV team, who at the time they hadn't even decided that they wanted to pivot on and do gaming full time. It was really just an exploration thing. But they brought me into their office to pick my brain on some ideas of how they could better serve the gaming community and ended up sending me a job offer two weeks later. And the rest, you know, rest is really history. I I joined the uh, Justin TV team about five months before the launch of Twitch was part of the founding team at Twitch in 2011, and ended up uh, ended up having an amazing, amazing career with Twitch that spanned over seven years and obviously through the Amazon acquisition. So yeah, so before we kind of get into Twitch, which we're definitely going to explore, so you're definitely, you know, I've been in this for a few years now, and I've talked with people who have been around it for a long time. So I guess we would really put you in one of those true original people that was like, I already saw that this streaming and this entertainment and the presentation of it was 
going to be something. Was there like a point when you were like, you know, really kind of on this scale that you're like, in 10 years from now, this is going to be like what I can't even imagine. Because realistically, especially as you were probably competing early on, it was probably like you said, you know, 100 people, 50 people, you know, 1,000 or 12,000 people. That's like a really big amount. So it was like, did you actually think that it could reach where you have millions of people concurrently watching something? You know, I think, I mean, yes and no. I mean, I, I was obsessed, right? I was spending all of my weekends just watching streams, listening to shows, being in, being in Twitch or Ustream chat, you know, every single day. Um, and I was spending my weekdays, um, cr- you know, building this website and product. So I, it was a passion that I, ha- I had devoted a serious portion of my life to, but it was always just a passion. I never really expected that I would get a full-time job in esports, to be honest. I mean, when th- when all of this was happening, almost nobody was working full-time in esports. Like, it was probably a few dozen people had full-time esports jobs in the world. Um, so I, I didn't really expect that it would become my full-time career, much less, you know, end up being a really great career. Um, but what I did know is that I loved this this pastime. I loved this hobby. And it really started to grow super quickly. And that that really justified for me putting as much time as I did into it. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that really kind of is a great point that it's like you were just doing it because you loved and you wanted to be involved in it. And that's what, you know, that's where the best ideas come from and the most clear and authentic things. It's like, I didn't really know what it was going to be. I was just doing it because I liked who was doing it. And this is what I liked. Yeah, and, and I think I, I would give like, you know, a lot of people want to get into esports because it's a, now it's a sexy industry and it's, you know, it's still growing super, super fast. But, you know, if you're if you're trying to get a gig in the space, like I think it should come from a place of passion. You know, this this industry is still still finding its legs. You know, people still aren't making a ton of money and it's going to be that way for uh, the foreseeable future. I mean, at least for a while now, um, you know, the, there's still some inherent issues that make it so that not a lot of the organizations outside of the the game publishers are even making a lot of money. So if you want to break in, you know, I think the best way to start is just start building something, start doing something, create a Discord server with a unique spin, become a subreddit moderator, start writing articles on a blog, host a podcast, uh, organize a tournament, volunteer your time to help moderate a, a Discord server for your favorite team. These, these, you know, there's something to be said for, you know, don't don't let your time be abused and don't work free. But I also think that, you know, if you're not inherently passionate and excited about getting your feet wet in the first place, then it's going to be hard to make that jump directly into a role in the industry. Yeah. And, you know, coming from the more entertainment and sports music world, like, let's be real, working at agencies and labels and MTV and all these places, it's fun. It's glamorous, fun work. But it's also because it's fun and glamorous work, there are certain kind of sacrifices, whether it's additional time or, you know, monetarily, especially at the beginning where it's like, you get to deal with all of these things and work with these teams and be part of a scene that you love and are passionate about. And you have to understand, you know, the point that you made, these teams aren't making hundreds of millions of dollars. It's not like, you know, you're the New York Yankees or the Lakers who, you know, just print money every year because they exist. So it's like the, profession the business ecosystem is really still evolving and you know if this is something you love then that has to be the driving force yeah no i i totally agree and and this is advice i give to people all the time 
And there's, I mean, there's a bit of a conflict on this topic. I, you'll see every about, you know, one month, uh, every six weeks or so, this becomes a topic again and again and again on Twitter in the esports space of should you should you work for free? Should you volunteer your time? Uh, but I, I still fundamentally believe that it's one of the best possible ways to get your feet wet, to get your name out there. And if you're not, you know, you shouldn't do it. You shouldn't do something you hate for somebody that you don't care about. But if you're doing something you're passionate about and that you love, you know, it's a great way to get started regardless if you're getting paid from day one. Yeah, and you know, if you believe in it and you're like, okay, look, I see the future in this and maybe this isn't exactly where I want, but it's a step in the right direction or, you know, I think that that's how you have to plan. And then, you know, working at some labels and, you know, managing artists and talent and stuff that I've kind of done prior to being an attorney, like a lot of it was like, eat what you kill or like, it's about the connections or going backstage or, you know, getting the free CDs or, you know, being friends with the president of a record label or marketing director and, you know, building these networking relationships for where it is an appropriate time to like, okay, well, I've been doing X, Y, and Z for you. I've been doing a great job and I'd love to keep doing it, but, you know, I need to figure out how this works for both of us. And, you know, I think people are more interested in working with you once you've kind of proven and shown your consistent value and, you know, it makes those conversations a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Create something, you know, there's a lot of ways to put your time into esports, but you know, if you're creating something, that's the one thing I look for on somebody's resume first is like, have you built something from the ground up? Have you shown that initiative? Have you shown that dedication? Have you shown that passion? That's way more important to me than if you have, you know, a business degree. I mean, uh, that's just my personal take, but even though sports had a break, your business did not. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike any other site, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, and you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need just like they have for over 3 million businesses. And right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it very fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now and use Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. And guys and gals, the wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you get on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get on their season opening bonuses today and start wagering off on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BlueWire at betonline.ag. That's Blue Wire, all one word, bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So what was it like kind of working working at Twitch at the beginning and, you know, kind of seeing that stuff unfold and the evolution that it eventually, you know, undertook? Oh, man, it was so exciting because, I, I mean, it, it's it's so easy to forget how quickly things developed. It's so easy to forget that 10 years ago in in the early 2010s, that gaming was not cool you know mm -hmm. like being a gamer was still a nerdy hobby that you didn't really talk about yeah no one knew but... i played starcraft 2 with my friends that was just our thing <laughs> yeah absolutely like it wasn't something that you wore on your shoulder as a badge of pride and honor 
Um, so I think the the moment that we launched Twitch and we said, hey, not only is live streaming this awesome new technology, which really had, hadn't had barely even developed yet, but it's like, hey, we're a live streaming platform for gamers specifically. And I think it was a serious watershed moment for the gaming industry and just the gaming community in general, because, you know, it, it went from, okay, gaming is a hobby that... I don't really talk about probably and I don't even have a lot of places to share a sense of community with other people to this was essentially like a bat signal to say gamers around the world we are building a tech company for you we are building a product for you we are creating a community for you and that that alone was a spark that had incredible incredible impact I mean the moment we came out and said we're twitch we're for esports we're for gamers you know, people started flocking to us in absolute droves. So, uh, you know, it, it was super exciting as somebody that had been in the esports space as a passion to see this, that there are millions of other people out there that were like me, but they're, you know, we just didn't know each other. We just didn't know that any other esports existed. Um, so, you know, it was incredibly exciting. I mean, the growth rate was also insane. I mean, for Twitch's first two to three years, we went from two and a half million monthly active users to 5 million to 8 million to 10 million to 12 million to 15 million to 20 million. Um, and that was like every single month, you know, the, the number of people coming to Twitch was growing in the millions. Um, so, you know, I think not only did I get to follow my passion for esports, but it was also that traditional Silicon Valley um, startup experience where it was hyper growth. So, uh, no, I feel super lucky to have been uh, able to play a part in that. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like pretty much FUBU for us, by us, for gamers, by gamers. You pretty much take this segment that's pretty much, you know, through Twitter and Reddit and kind of Discord and just kind of all over the world or over the globe. And you're not really one central place that everyone meets. And you kind of just be like, this is where everyone's meeting. And you get all the different cool kids to come and join you. And it just became the place to go to where... You know, now it's what, how many hundreds of millions of users? Like, I don't even know how many hours are watched on stream, but, you know, it's pretty much huge. So was there something that kind of like stood out to you, like a specific moment that's like, wow, this is huge. Like, you know, that really stood out to you. Mm, I mean, the growth alone was was something to behold. But um, I think a lot of people will probably agree uh, who have been in the esports industry or maybe if you if you've you know, if you've been in the industry since the early 2010s, you probably remember the first League of Legends World Championship in a stadium when it went to Staples Center. Uh, this moment was such an important moment in esports history because it was the first time we had filled a massive stadium outside of Korea. I mean, it, this is obviously this had been happening in South Korea with StarCraft Brood War for many, many years. But this was the very first time that it was a stadium full. I mean, 18,000 person Lakers uh, uh, arena, completely full to the brim with esports fans cheering. And not only was this an important moment from just a branding and PR perspective for esports, because you know you see that visually, you see the the audience, you hear them cheering. It looks like a sports event. It sounds like a sports event. It probably probably is sports. Uh, but it was also an important moment for the business of esports because there were people from Coca Cola in that audience, right? And they saw that. And that was the moment when we started to see these mainstream sponsors come in uh, and this mainstream uh, exposure come in from from mainstream media as well. So 
Uh, you know, I think at the time we already knew like, look, esports is growing at an insane clip. It's going to continue. But that was the moment where esports really broke into the mainstream. And it was like, this is a cultural thing in America, not just, you know, what's happening over in Asia. We know, you know, I've always known that they love Starcraft and Starcraft 2. It was never really any, you know, there wasn't really anything else that kind of came to the mainstream world. But, you know, as you said, it was just in L.A. and Hollywood, center of the universe, and they just hit it out of the park. So it really kind of proved to a lot of these brands that were probably hearing about it or maybe, you know, they they heard murmurs about it. But like, look, you can kind of activate these people that have a huge passion for it and market to them the same way you can someone who goes to the Lakers or the Clippers or the Yankees or, you know, any other traditional sporting event. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's right. So, yeah, so now tell us a little bit about forming Juked. You know, what is it and, you know, what was your initial vision for it? Yeah, so as much as esports has grown over the last decade and it's been exponential growth every single year, there's been a persistent problem that I feel has actually limited its the, the, the potential of esports to grow even faster and to gain even more of an audience. And it really came down to the fact that the space has been super fragmented. You know, not only are the streams split across Twitch, YouTube, Facebook, uh, if you're looking at a global perspective, split onto, uh, you know, Tencent streaming platforms, streaming platforms in Japan and mm -hmm. in Brazil. Uh, but to find even the most basic information about esports tournaments, you're going to have to go to several different sources. So there is no easy way to answer the question of what are the biggest esports events happening this weekend? How do I tune in? What are who are the teams playing? What's the prize pool? Um, who you know? Who, what are the storylines? Who's the favorites for this tournament? Um, what is their past performance? How do I watch old matches? How do I find even something as simple as the brackets or standings for a tournament that you're watching on Twitch right now? Um, there were no easy answers to those questions. So um, you know, while the growth was happening, it was happening only because of this super dedicated, hardcore, passionate fan base that you know the path to becoming a fan was still too kind of perilous in my opinion the the barrier to entry was too high so that was the primary problem that we set out to solve with juked by creating a single destination that has all of this information and the live streams in one place uh we've created really in our opinion the first the first kind of one-stop destination for esports um so you know our vision is to create a global community around shared passion for esports and lower the barrier to entry to make it easier to become a fan of esports in the first place and those are some of the missions that we've embedded into our company's dna right where it's kind of like you go to espn or like you know yahoo sporting news one of these things back in the day because that's where everything you need to know is you know sports illustrator you know whatever comes out you just have to go to one place you don't have to check what's going on on this publication and this reddit and who posts on twitter and you know, I think that, you know, as a fan and especially as someone who's trying to learn the space, it definitely provides value. Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, in traditional sports, first of all, you have apps and products like ESPN, right? That sends you a push notification every time your favorite team plays, that you can find any score, stat, box score, bracket, standings, um, power rankings, articles, video content. You can find all of that on ESPN. They have shows like... Uh, that that are telling you the storylines. That's something that's really lacking today in esports, where they're the storylines behind the players, behind the teams, aren't being told cogently and often enough. 
And that's a really, really big part of uh, of the problem that we are hoping to solve with Juked. And, um, you know, I think it also in traditional sports, you have local teams. You know, we, we are seeing this now with Call of Duty League and Overwatch League. But, you know, there are ways to become a fan that are completely separate from actually playing the game. You can grow up in Oakland and become a Golden State Warriors fan or an Oakland A's fan. And there's a really, really tried and too, true route to do that. But in esports, that simply doesn't exist to the same extent. Uh, uh, so we want to help tell those storylines. We want to help make it easier to discover the best content in one place. Do you like provide original content with you know, writers on staff interviewing talent or is it just aggregating other sites? So we actually recently launched our own original news two months ago. So we've been doing this now for about 60 days and we're producing five to 10 articles per week. So we're still pretty early on, but we're producing written content. And actually, as soon as next week, we might actually start producing some video content as well. We just want to start getting this kind of thing out there as much as possible. So um, original content is newer to the company, like primarily which has been in the past is an aggregator, I'd say the world's best esports aggregator. But now we're, we're actually transitioning our resources to focus a bit more on the original content as well. So like, do you kind of almost compare when you're like, you know, sitting there on the screen with all the streams, or it's like you're in the, you know, local bar where they have the directory TV package, and there's 20 football games going on where you can kind of sit back and just watch what's going on across all these different games? I mean, definitely you can draw the parallel between Juked and like NFL Red Zone, uh, kind of. That's that's one of the parallels we've seen drawn fairly frequently, uh, where it is kind of like that multi-stream um, uh, uh, dashboard view and you can just jump into whichever stream that you're most interested in. Uh, so that's kind of one of the use cases that some of our most hardcore users absolutely love about Juked is, is that front page. It's just a super simple, easy way to see everything that's big in one place. Right, and then select, oh, look, like you said, they're in the red zone. I'm going to look on what's going on as this match comes near the end or when it gets close again. So, yeah, so how did it kind of grow? Is there anything that kind of, you know, stood out in its growth? Well, I think the day that we launched, we had a couple things going for us. I mean, first of all, not to toot our own horns too much, but myself and my co-founder, Chris, we've been in esports for 10 years each. Um, we, we have known names. We're known quantities. Um, so people already, the moment that we tweeted about it, we had a following. We also had all of our friends in esports who are, who are pretty much backing us from day one because everyone knows this is a problem. Um, and Chris and I are pretty well connected with uh, some of the top influencers, commentators, team owners, league operators, publishers, and developers. So. You know, day one, we had um, esports team owners and, and and commentators all kind of promoting and helping us market the platform. So, you know, we kind of have that unfair advantage going into building the platform in the first place, which uh, which very, very thankful for that. Um, and then I think also just the community in general, like if you're an esports fan, you know that it's a pain in the ass to know when your when your favorite teams are playing, right? You know that you have to go to Liquipedia or you have to go to hltv.org or you have to go to smash.gg just to find the brackets. So um, this is this problem is is something that everyone has felt at one point or another. And the moment we went out and said, hey, we're trying to solve this problem, I think we did get a pretty good amount of love. Um, you know, if, you, if you're talking about more recently, you know, obviously producing original written content has been a great growth driver for us. 
uh, SEO has started to really tap in and become a really strong driver for traffic for us. Um, and we've also been able to partner up with esports tournaments throughout our life cycle as well, uh, because we're kind of providing a better landing page than simply linking to your Twitch channel. And that means that we can partner up with esports tournaments like DreamHack or uh, Smash Bros tournaments, fighting game events, Valorant tournaments, Diabotical. We've been sponsoring and partnering with tournaments as a great way to grow the brand and grow the platform as well. So like, you know, when you're working with these tournament organizers, are you licensing it directly from the publisher or is it more, you know, the tournament organizer is doing that and you're more of just like an ancillary party part of it? So uh, we're actually always going to be embedding the stream from Twitch or YouTube. So we're, we're pulling that stream into our website and then we're providing an experience around the stream. So we're providing brackets, we're providing schedules, we're providing scores, VODs. Um, things like this that are much harder to get when you're simply watching on a YouTube channel, or actually impossible, I should say, to find on a YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Um, so these these are the types of things that we're providing that augment the experience around the stream. We're we're giving tournament organizers additional opportunities for branding so that they can show their sponsors love on their event page on Juke. Um, so these are the ways that we're uh, you know really uh, separating and differentiating our experience. I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense and because, you know, at the end of the day, when you're a fan or even a super fan of these hyper fans, you want to know all this stuff. And, you know, you don't want to have to look, oh, who's playing later and who are they playing? You want to be able to kind of have it all in the area that you're watching the game. And, you know, as you said, ESPN has everything on your fingertips. So I guess, you know, Juked is the the ESPN and the one, like you said, the one shop stop for the e- esports and the gaming world. That, I mean, yeah, that's our vision. Uh, we're, we're, you know, we're one year in, so we launched the product almost exactly a year ago, maybe 13 months ago at this point. And um, there's a lot that we still need to build. You know, we're we're a really small team, but we're we're well on our way to that vision. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that the original content and you know some of the stuff that you're developing is kind of in line with what seems to be going on in the industry. We're definitely seeing a rise of you know this infotainment that I was talking about earlier. It's as you alluded to, and we mentioned, it's huge in sports and you know other kind of traditional entertainment world, and it's starting to kind of creep into esports. Do you think this is kind of the future of esports content and news, kind of pundits and maybe former gamers or coaches or casters, kind of providing their you know real world take and opinion on kind of you know the day's news? Yeah, I, I do expect that we'll see more of this content in the future, especially as esports just continues to grow and grow and grow, and there continue to be more fans like, like myself and and probably you as well who want to follow multiple different games. Then there's a huge opportunity for this type of content. Um, I think one of the reasons that this content doesn't exist today, or I guess what it's a very structural issue in esports. It, it also is part of the reason why things are so fragmented right now. Comes down to the fact that, again, the publishers and developers of these esports games pretty much control their own ecosystems for the most part. So Blizzard isn't going to want to produce content in a show that also talks about Riot. And Riot isn't going to want to produce a show or content that also talks about Capcom or or uh, or or Blue, uh, or Valve. Nintendo, exactly. Yeah. So I mean, th- this is a structural issue in esports where uh, the, the leagues and operators are are so much uh, so frequently now the the actual publishers themselves 
uh, that this is one of the main reasons why the fragmentation problem exists in the first place. So there really hasn't been that third party where, you know, whereas traditional sports, you have ESPN bidding for broadcast rights, creating all of this content, um, having owning the TV properties, the linear channels. And they are able, as a very powerful institution in the space, they have the resources to do that. Um, so, you know, th there's a lot of reasons why that is not the case in esports. But I certainly expect that over the next five years, we're going to see much, much, much more when it comes to content, features, functionality, and community that's focused on fans of esports generally rather than any one individual game. Yeah, because I guess at the end of the day, like, you know, a lot of these content is really just kind of talking about it. You're not really having game footage where, you know, ESPN show, Sports Center, the whole entire concept of the show is we're going to show you the highlights of the game and tell you what happened, where it's like it might be an NBC or Fox or, you know, F Sports One or, but they're letting each other use the footage for this newsworthy reporting purpose. So, you know, I do see a where it kind of gets on this dotted line with the publishers owning the rights to it and, you know, kind of the replay of what happened in, you know, last night's League of Legends match. If you're using actual highlights and footage, you're technically, you know, you're using their copyright and protected material for a purpose. But then it's a newsworthy purpose and it kind of goes down to this whole fair use analysis, which I, you know, is obviously too complicated to talk about and, you know, not giving any legal advice. But I do think, you know, you bring up a point that is probably hindering its development at this point is, it's just you can't freely use the footage. You can't kind of take your, your your highlight clips, the best kills from a match, the best snipes, whatever, and really just report on them as without these kind of licensing implications. Yeah, and I, there's obviously ways to get around that with fair use, um, uh, you know. But uh, yeah, that that there are some some legal challenges as well as partnerships challenges there. But I think it's very doable. Yeah, and realistically, I think that, and as you mentioned earlier on, and something the bunch of reporters and news people that I've talked with over the years is a lot of these gamers really aren't trying to play ball with the media. They're not trying to give this added value. And I think publishers need to kind of respect the reason that these entities exist, that there are people that want to know the news and want the, you know, the quick hitters. And you kind of have to feed the consuming public in something that's a little bit more digestible than having to watch the whole VOD over because you missed something, you know? It's not always actionable to, you know, the middle fan, the people who are like, okay, I just want to see how the baseball game went. I didn't need to watch the whole thing last night, every night. But, you know, I want to see the home runs and the good strikeouts. And, you know, it adds value to the baseball. It adds value to the product itself by having other outlets talk about it, other people interested in it. So... You know, I kind of see it from both sides at that point. Yeah, no, totally. Um, and I think people have, I mean, it's not like people haven't tried to do this kind of stuff in the past. It's been attempted, but it's kind of strange that no one's even really trying right now. I mean, in the past, like MLG has done a show, um, you know, uh, I know like uh, even Yahoo had a show way back when. So people have kind of have tried to do things like this, but right now, Strangely enough, there's less of that kind of content than pretty much ever, which uh, which I think is a huge opportunity for us. Okay, so what's the future of Juke? You know, I know you mentioned the original content is it's just mostly going to be developing, you know, unique shows or you know, where are you trying to go with it? 
Yeah, that's that's uh that that's what we're thinking about all the time. And frankly, we're still figuring out figuring it out. Um, some of the things that we're working on right now that we're super excited about are additional ways to gamify the esports watching experience. So while you're watching on Juked, you can get pop-ups like who do you think is going to win this next match? Who's going to get first kill? Uh, you know, or or even doing trivia, things like that, polls while you're watching so that it's more of a lean ex- lean in experience when you're on Juked. And we're adding additional value to viewers watching on Juked. Um, of course, there would be then leaderboards for who can predict the most accurately and potentially prizes and giveaways and things like that that just make esports viewing much more active. Um, beyond that, uh, by the way, we're testing this stuff right now, so we should be able to actually have prototypes pretty damn soon. Um, the other aspect that we're really excited about is, again, building that sense of community. Um, so we want to allow people to have social profiles where you can see what your, who your favorite teams are, how much of every esport you've watched, how correct you've been in predicting winners in the past. Um, so that you can comment on news articles, on matches, on tournaments, on even right, these old school forums where you kind of go up in ranks, where like based on how many posts you are, you become you know level three wizard, and you kind of <laughs> right. I remember, I remember. There's this fantasy football one, Fanball. I think Roto World eventually became where it was like you had these different ranks, and to get like diamond rank, you had to be like posting a certain amount every day keep up like an average post rate but it was like you know it was like you're giving advice on who to start in trades and it was just like like you said you're gamifying the experience so that people want to go in every day and see what the new post is what your opinion is on it who got this match right you're you know creating this sense of engagement and community and you start to see the same people at the leaderboard and like you don't even know them but you want to beat them and you know where it can go is you know the the smartest people get into a bracket to win a prize and yeah. you know like it just can lead to just so many different you know more immersive opportunities absolutely um so you know i think the more lean in experience the more social experiences you know if i'm being honest it's something that's lacking from juke today it's really just the the product as it exists is more of a one way thing where you come to find what's at, what the best content and information but you know this is a big evolution that we're excited about do you use like the existing um, casters and broadcast team from the stream or do you, could you provide your own or like, is that? Um, yeah, that, that would probably get a little bit more complex to be honest if we're going to start to produce our own broadcast and things like that. Not something out of the realm of possibility though. I think one thing that people have really enjoyed in the past for events like the international, you've had a newbie stream where it breaks it down for the most basic uh, to the most basic level so that new people can understand what's happening. Um, so, you know, that type of thing is is an opportunity for us or even leaning more directly into the NFL red zone type of concept. where We actually have a host that's telling you, OK, we're going to jump over to the miss, this match because it's really exciting. It's super close. It's coming down to the wire. It's neck and neck or it's really important because of X, Y, and Z. You know, that stuff, I think, is uh, probably a bit further in the future for us, but very exciting as well. Yeah, man, I think that that would be really, you know, it's like that way. It's like you're always in there. You get the quick recap. Oh, they were down 20, but, you know, Justin went on a kill streak and, you know, caught him up. And now it's neck and neck. You know, I think that it really, like you said, you know, makes people lean in and highlight something. Maybe they were watching the other match and now they're full set on this one. And it, you know, can really help dictate, you know, viewership trends as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of people who maybe are curious about esports but don't already know where to go to find it 
or um you know enjoy esports but aren't regular watchers i think they could benefit a lot from this yeah i mean it sounds like something that i definitely you know we'll, we'll talk more off air but you know as someone coming from the more traditional entertainment and you know these traditional worlds of sports and music it, and then in the last couple of years transitioning to the esports and gaming i it's definitely been a scavenger hunt to say the least to you know really kind of catch up and get all the news and the information and you know even find the history like some of the players i work with it's like you know like here's my wikipedia you know they don't even know what they've done if it's been a few years ago so it's like how am i working with them supposed to find it so it's you know definitely a problem and as you know you get more fans especially younger fans who you know they want to know what was going on three years ago or five years ago when you know maybe they were too young to be involved in overwatch or call of duty and you know, now they're 12 years old and it's I want to know what the history of Liquid was and, you know, being able to kind of find some of this backstory, I think, is going to be, you know, important to its growth. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, yes, and I really like to end each episode with my three questions, you know, as if I didn't ask enough already. Um, so, you know, what's your favorite game to watch, you know? Hmm. Tough question. Maybe I have a few. I, I figure that he might yeah. not just have one. I was really, 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 really enjoying watching uh, uh, Smash Bros. Ultimate actually earlier this year as the game was really, really settling into an exciting, um, uh, exciting new kind of uh, world because there was one player, MK Leo, who had been dominant for the entirety of 2019 and he was finally starting to get unseated and we were seeing all of these amazing matches. I got a chance to go to Genesis 7, which was probably the biggest smash event of the year these days. Um, it's just in my hometown of Oakland. And I got to go over to that. Um, unfortunately, COVID has completely, completely impacted smash in particular. Uh, so we've seen other esports really adapt pretty quickly to COVID and go online. But for some other esports like smash that ha doesn't have as good net code and doesn't have as much backing from the publisher, uh, it really has lacked uh, ha has been lacking. So I'm I'm just a sucker for one v one esports. I love team esports too. Don't get me wrong, but I really love StarCraft too. I really love Smash Bros, Street Fighter, um, and, and games like Quake actually and Diabolical. So those those would be my favorites to watch in general. But I'm also a big Overwatch guy as well. Okay, so what's your favorite games to play? Well, recently I've been playing. Um, <laughs> I've been playing a little bit of Diabolical, which is like an indie redo of Quake. Um, so if you're it's free to play, it's on the Epic Game Store. If you've ever played Quake, you got to try it out. It's great. Uh, but I've also been playing another indie first person shooter because I'm a total hipster. Uh, that's a that's a redo of Tribes. So I'm stuck in the 90s, man. I, I can't. I still get it's like a throwback to your old yeah. gaming days. Pretty much. Exactly. You yeah. still feel the same passion? Are you as good or you think age is setting in? Oh, I think I'm even better. <laughs> I've been loving these games. I almost want to become a, a YouTuber and start making guide videos. That's right? Is it going to be the comeback and you're just, you know, you're going to run <laughs> up the gamut in these games right now? Unfortunately, I got a startup to run, so maybe not. Okay. Well, everyone out there, you guys just dodged a bullet because Ben was coming and he's coming fast. Um. So, yeah. So the last question. So who's your favorite video game character? You know, I know you were mentioning some Super Smash, so it's always a good one. <laughs> Okay, I wasn't prepared for this, but I mean, uh, I got to give it up to my boy Link. You know, Zelda has always been uh, 
one of my favorite franchises ever even though link is a blank slate maybe because link is a blank slate but it's just that world uh, i'm too much in love with the the world of the legend of zelda to to not give it over there yeah ocarina of time was definitely one of those obsessions of childhood where you know i still have memories of just waking up with that little flute (laughs) (laughs) yeah for sure so yeah no thank you so much for joining us this was extremely insightful so tell everybody where they can find you yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Fish Sticks with an X. I've had the name for 15, 20 years. Don't ask why. Uh, of course, you can head over to juked.gg to find all of the content going on in esports this weekend. It happens to be a massive weekend. We've got the Overwatch League finals happening um, uh, in a couple of hours. I don't know when this is when this is pod- podcast will get published, but um, as well as League of Legends World Championship. And then the last shout out I'll give is we're also actually fundraising right now so we are on a platform called republic.co where tell us a little bit about that you know what's going on with that yeah absolutely so uh we're currently doing what's called crowd equity that allows anyone to invest in juked for as little as a hundred dollars so if you want to own a piece of the esports industry if you want to invest in uh uh, in our startup you can do that now it's kind of some new new technology um the, there's new regulations that allow non-accredited investors um aka regular people to invest in startups so if you're interested in investing um definitely check out republic.co slash juked uh, we'd love to have you if you have any questions make sure to ask there and i'll do my best to answer awesome you know so thanks everybody again for tuning in and make sure to check out juked it sounds like they're on some some great things and Follow me on Twitter, Justin J-E-S-Q, and check out Apple Podcasts for all our past episodes.